Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 293. I'm joined on this Monday morning by my co-host, that is at Stacy, or that is Stacy, that is at StacyPan89 on Twitter. Stacy, how are you doing this evening? Or this morning, sorry, I should say. <laughs> um, evening blues in the morning, right? Um, yeah, you know, measured, a little bit down still, um, but uh, yeah. The first time in a while, it's not a victory Monday. So. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a little bit. Um, maybe since the Super Bowl for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Uh, I uh, we have a lot to discuss, but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. We are posting all new, all kinds of new content on there. Violent. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise. I'm wearing some of it right now. Hopefully he'll start playing better soon. Uh, there's all types. There's there's a bunch of new stuff on there. Sweatshirts, t-shirts. There are mugs. There are hats. Anything your heart desires. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Miko. That comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier. Uh, that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier that's going for a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. The Knicks uh, lost a basketball game yesterday. They lost 108-101 in game one of the second round to Miami. A very frustrating game, I would say. Um, I think there's a lot that the Knicks can improve and that they should improve uh, moving forward. There's some basic stuff at a coaching level. There are some very basic things at player decision-making performance level. Uh, and then at its very core, they simply need to shoot the ball better. Um, from three, I should say very specifically. Their two-point scoring has been fine. Um, they need to start making some threes, and that is on a collective level, um, not just individuals, but collectively, they need to start making some threes. Um, Stacy, I will toss it over to you. Um, what, I guess, you know, what, I, I, look, after the game, Jalen Brunson basically said that he played like shit. And I haven't finished my rewatch, kind of zoomed through some of it today and this morning. Um, I, I gotta say, I, I thought he played a terrible game. And, and I, I, it's actually worse watching it back, I think, some of it on rewatch. Um, the offensive decision-making, like, his scoring was really good inside the arc, especially, obviously, because he didn't make a three. Uh, but his... I don't want to say decision-making. It was like, he the way he played yesterday didn't... It took away from everybody else. Nobody else was really in a flow. Nobody else really got in rhythm when he decided that it was time for him to score. And at a very basic level, 
Um, RJ goes five of six in the first quarter. I think that was the best quarter of his career. Uh, he, he was spectacular in that quarter from a scoring, distributing, all of that. Like the balance between those two things, the, the pace and he was playing confidence, at. right? Like he yeah. was even hitting mid range jumpers with confidence. Yeah. Uh, getting his legs into it. Like, yeah, he's really in his bag. Yeah. He, he was really, really good. And, you know, when they shared the floor in the second quarter, there was no attempt for Brunson to really get him going. And I thought that was a huge mistake. And I, I thought that was a just bad. It was bad coaching and it was bad, bad point guard play from him. Um, Barrett took one shot in the second quarter after that first quarter. I think, I mean, he basically, the shot he got was when Brunson wasn't even on the floor. That was when quickly was on the floor as, as the point guard. Um, once Brunson came on the floor, it was just Brunson time. Like, and you, I mean, I'm not trying to dump it all on him, but like you can watch the game back and you'll see it. Like he comes in and it was just the Brunson show the rest of the way that second quarter. And like, I don't like putting the failures of others on him, but I think it's very hard to not draw a line between that. And then how RJ played in the second half where, you know, yeah, he drove into traffic a bunch of times. He over-penetrated, got himself into trouble, turned the ball over, was sloppy with the rock at times. I thought he, was, he forced shots, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it wasn't good. But, like, I really do feel like that, a lot of that, at least, is on Brunson. Like, when a guy is going to that level, your job as a point guard, as the lead ball handler, is to make sure they stay in the flow of the game. And he failed to do that. And I think that led to some of RJ's offensive issues. And I will say defensively on my rewatch, and I have some clips sort up here. I'm not like, this is not a bash RJ pod or anything like that, but I thought his defense was a lot worse than I remembered it being in lot in, in real time. And even that, and I, I, I just didn't clip the Brunson bad plays. So when I show them, don't think I'm like piling on RJ. It's just more of an example of things. I think the Knicks can clean up, but like, Brunson's defense was really bad. I mean, like in the first half, this guy just got burned by Caleb Martin like multiple times. Didn't know where his man was. Didn't box anybody out. That was throughout the game. Just didn't box anybody out. Um, he's got to be better. Like I don't care how well he's scoring. He's got to be better than that. That that was just a bad, bad performance from him. And at a and I, I want to say this before I toss it back to you. Toss it to you. Um, you know, I've talked a lot and I've criticized Randall a lot for his failure to keep his composure and how that can impact other guys on the team and makes it hard to play with him and blah, 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 blah. Brunson didn't take out his gripes with the officiating on anybody else but the officials, but I do think he let it affect him. And because he let it affect him, he had a little bit of a mini meltdown there in, during the game, especially the second half in particular. And I think that did rub off on the team, that lack of composure, that lack of collective calm um, that, that he, he often provides. He did the opposite yesterday, and I do think that affected them. And for a young team playing an experienced team, like you saw, like uh, the Knicks are more talented than Miami. They're more talented. There's no question about it. Yeah, even with Randall, they're, they're more talented. There's no question in my mind. Nothing about that game yesterday changes it. The difference between Miami and Cleveland is this. And, and I want and I think we saw this in both games yesterday, in Knicks and Miami game and that game seven, Warriors-Kings. Experience matters. 
And a team like Miami, you might have every talent advantage over them. What one thing they will not do? What they will not be overawed by any moment, any situation. That will never happen to them because all those guys have been there before. And the second thing is you have to beat them. If you you have to beat them and you can't beat yourself. The Knicks beat themselves yesterday. They committed stupid mistakes. They got in their own in their own heads. They let the refs how they they were didn't agree with the officiating. They let that affect their mental approach to the game. And they spiraled, right? One yeah. you you've seen them in the Cavs series, one bad possession didn't mean that the next possession was going to be bad. Instead, they seem to, you know, they have one bad possession where RJ gets stripped, then maybe he picks up his dribble early and then he throws the ball away. This is especially in the fourth. Well, there was that, um, that moving screen he had where it was like, I don't even know what he was complaining about because that was yeah. as blatant a moving screen as you could possibly and again, have. And, and it's, I mean, it's very hard mentally to play against a team like this. Um, I was actually, um, I was thinking, uh, what it kind of reminded me of, um, there was an old clip, not to praise Mark Cuban around here, but there was an old clip where he went on first take because he had gotten into it with Skip Bayless on Twitter. Um, and, you know, it, a lot of it devolved into a shouting match or whatever, but he had some good points. One of the points Cuban Was this made, the excruciating pressure thing? Yeah. But one of the, one of the actual tactical points he made was, uh, you know, this was right after the, um, this was the, right after the Heat beat the Thunder. And Skip was saying, you know, they didn't have these adjustments and all of that. But the Cuban made the point that one, the Thunder were a much younger team, so they're athletically superior to a team like the Mavs. But they didn't have the kind of it was a lockout shortened season, so there was no preseason, and um, they didn't have the kind of ability to, to go to the variety that the Mavs did, right? Um, partly because that was a very they had Serge Ibaka, they had, Durant was playing well on defense that season. Uh, you know, they, they had a lot of, they had Roberson, they had a lot of talented defenders. So they didn't really have, they didn't, they hadn't gone to too many different ways. Um, whereas with, um, you know, with the Mavs, because they had, you know, they had Chandler, but they had a lot of aging, poor defenders. The way that they survived with Dirk Nowitzki being on the floor, which is probably not something you would have predicted before the season if you're just looking matchups. Now, they did it with zone, but they also did it by being able to play flexible and, and show different. Um, show different looks, right? I think you look at this Heat team, and they are—they have severe athletic. They have two phenomenal defenders in Butler and Bam, but they have some guys with severe athletic limitations. But experience can make up for that. And you know, you look at the team that what point one point differential over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. My guess is, and if I was to watch eighty-two games of the Heat, they probably did sacrifice four stretches. You know, just not playing as well. Because they're trying different, they're showing new looks. They're getting guys who are comfortable, and I think that also it's much easier to get even a guy like Kevin Love. If you get him midseason, get him up to speed with a variety of coverages and a variety of different tactics you can go to, and that's what really makes them strong. So Cleveland, you know, they would pull out, they, they trap. All right, we know they're going to trap every time. That makes Brunson's life very easy, um, or, or they're going to play. They're playing it this way. They're switching on these. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of variety. Again, a young team. You kind of want to simplify things. The Heat can be a lot more diverse in what they want to do because they have experienced players and they have continuity. And over the course of the regular season to make up for some of the things that are difficult for them, like just playing straight man or, um, you know, like playing, uh, you know, switching a lot more, right? When you have guys who can be targeted. 
um, they have a lot more in their bag. And, and of course, they have a coach who's, who's known for doing that. Um, but so it was interesting to me that that, that came up. Um, I think what the Heat want, they are going to want you to, to go one-on-one and and then have to kick out to a shooter or take a tough shot. And the way to beat that is to kind of get them, um, you know, get them early on, right? While, while they may be in motion, beat them to the spot, beat their reads. Against the Cavs, the Knicks did struggle with that at times. Um, but what helped was the guard-guard screening and being able to force switches. I think the Heat are a little bit more confident, and especially Vincent, um, but Butler as well, even Struess. I don't think they... I, I actually think Hero being out helps them. <laughs> I'm not. I, I was. I was thinking about that yesterday when I was, or today when I was rewatching it. And like in the first half, the Knicks did a really good job of hunting Duncan Robinson. He was out there. Like as soon as he got on the floor, it was like every single time down. And I have a bunch of clips saved up of of that, and it was really really good. Um, and if you watch the second half, one Miami started pre like pre rotating him so that they could take him out of the action. They still were able to get him into a few, but they didn't do nearly as good of a job of it. And then. Too, he like the second half too, right? Like, yeah, he didn't play as he didn't play as much, so the Knicks effectively played him off the floor. But you know, Brunson also just he, he was just in his own head and at that at that point. But um, yeah, he I, I I don't know what his minutes were exactly. I think he played twelve minutes. Yeah, he, so he played most of that in the first half, I would guess. But like the second half when he came in, they were already up six or seven at that point. So um, it was a little bit of a different situation. But um, yeah, but they, so the point is that guard guard screens are not the, the solution. I don't think the Heat feel the need to trap. They were hedging and recovering with Kevin Love, and this is where I really started to get frustrated with Brunson. Um, and I think this this speaks to one the lack of you know lack of comfort with personnel that I haven't put together. But the Knicks correctly attacked Kevin Love in pick and roll. What the Heat wanted to do was hedge and recover, and that's a perfect opportunity to get Obi Toppin going downhill. You hit him with a pocket pass. You get a four on three. Um, which I really like Obi in that situation. He's, but the Knicks haven't used them as a screener much. So you like Obi in his role? I love Obi in that role. Um, I, but they haven't used him as a screener much. Um, and so, and they certainly haven't used him as a screener much with Brunson. Um, so that becomes, it's, again, you haven't gone to a diversity of things like maybe a team like the Heat did. It's tough to just make that switch. Um, even without that though, Brunson was so slow to, Kind of a t- like if you're if they know you're if you know they're going to hedge and recover, get downhill and get into Love's body. Give Kevin Love credit; he was positioning himself well. But either do that or hit Obi with a pocket pass. He can't do either, so he was just stretching it out and then allowing the defender to recover. And then what the Knicks started doing is they just have Obi very quickly space, and you know Brunson's finding Obi for three. But like it, the thing is this, right? It's not like Obi taking an open three. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you can get him on a four, we can get much better opportunities out of that look. And they just weren't able to. And then the threes weren't falling. So, Well, and I think one of the things, too, um, Obi had to take those threes because if you look at the spacing, a lot of the times, right, they would run that exactly what you're talking about, love hedges. So Obi kind of has to, like, drag it out because Brunson's not going to. And honestly, there was nowhere for him to roll anyway. So, like, well, I mean, you had if you have Mitch in the dunker spot. This is another thing. Well, the thing I, is, when I, I was going to say that, is, is yeah, Mitch is in the dunker spot, and yes, that that should theoretically open up Obi for the role. But if you watch how they're defending Hart and RJ on those plays, like, there's up. nowhere for him to drive, and it was frustrating because those were actually situations where, like, 
if you had Grimes on the floor or quickly on the floor. And like, I, I just got to, I've seen a lot of people be like, well, those guys got to shoot better. I agree. They got to shoot better. The difference between these things is this. If Hart shoots over five, he's probably shooting over five on wide open threes. And they're not exactly threes where Miami's desperately running out at him. If quickly or Grimes shoots over five on threes, Miami is still defending those guys like good three-point shooters. There's a massive difference between those things. And I would love to believe that in 2023, we, we could progress beyond the idea that um, all shooting, good or bad, is made equal. That is not the case. And um, we saw that in spades yesterday. And this is something we've talked about even during the very, very fun wins that were involved in the Cleveland series where it's like, I love Josh Hart as much as the next guy. But you can't tell me that he needed to play 43 minutes last night or yesterday. And, and you don't, you can't tell me that there isn't a drawback offensively when you have him and RJ, who has not shot the ball well this year. Um, and Obi, who is like a fine shooter for a four, but he's not exactly, you know, teams aren't like, this isn't Carl Anthony Towns, right? They're not like, oh my God, like we got to run him off the line or something. And when it, and whether it's him or Randall, Randall, this was the same thing. You end up having to use them as four spacers instead of the fact that really you want both of them in the paint, right? But you have to use them as floor spacers because you can't rely on Josh Hart to do that, which works because Hart is good at slashing. But I think that's, to your point, right? I don't think that's great for Julius either. No, and I actually, like, I forgot who mentioned it to me. Um, Not that Julius can't shoot, but yeah, like, I want him in the paint fucking shit up, you know? Like, not not being Steve Novak. No, and, and actually somebody mentioned this to me um, last week, and I was thinking about it a lot, actually, when I was, like, rewatching various stuff. Uh, but, like, <laughs> our, we can sit here, and our, Randall hasn't played well either, but when you play him in these lineups sometimes that just have terrible spacing, like, what exactly do you expect him to do? And, um, you know, like, I just... It hasn't made his life easier, and and all of this compounds. Like it's prob- it's part of the reason why Brunson probably had a bad distribution game and why he turned the ball over quite a bit. It's also probably why RJ Barrett turned the ball over quite a bit in the second half, right? Where it's like, like they there was nine that between them, yeah, yeah. And there there was that, and there was that clip right uh, during the game. It was early in the game, and Spolstra was like, basically, was like, guys, who the fuck do you think we're playing here? Like this team wants to get in the paint. Like take that away. And if you watch throughout the game. They just constricted and constricted and constricted as the game went on. And, like, the most frustrating part of this game to me was how slow Tibbs was at reacting to anything. Anything. He didn't react. Like, to me, this looked like a classic Tibbs game when he's at his worst in the sense of he came into this game with an idea of this is what I want the script to be. These are my rotations. This is how. And... He stuck to that regardless of how the game went. He didn't make his first sub in the second quarter, in the second half, until there was like two thirty left in the in the third quarter. And that was Hardenstein too. Right? Yeah, it wasn't getting a shooter out there. No, it, it was crazy. Like you have like this, you could get away with some of that shit, and he did get away with some of that shit in that last series against JB Bickerstaff. Okay, like you can get away with that. You're not getting away with that against Miami. You cannot lose margins that are within your control as a coach that is the one thing you like Spolstra's probably going to outcoach you because he is the best coach in the league so I'm not expecting Tibbs to like be better than Spolstra all I expect him to do though 
or the, what I want him to do, don't lose margins that are totally within your control. Don't allow issues to compound and compound and compound before you react. And yesterday, that second half from him was a disaster. Like that, that is as bad a coaching performance as he's delivered in a long time. And I say that as somebody who's given him a lot of credit this year for his improvements as a coach. Um, defensively, I don't have a lot of issues with what we did. I think a lot of the mistakes that were made were mostly individual errors. Uh, and I have a couple that I stored up that I'll, I'll put up here in a second. Um, but like <laughs> the, the offensive stuff, it's just like, man, I, I don't care what quickly and Grimes are shooting. And, and I have a slight, I have some issues with how he's choosing to use quickly in my, in my opinion. Anyway, I can't know this for sure, but like, just put them on the fucking floor and let Brunson have some space to operate. If all you want is space for Brunson and RJ to get downhill, then you need to do a better job prioritizing that because you cannot go as long as we did yesterday in that third quarter where you're just riding Josh Hart and RJ Barrett and Obi Doppin in this lineup. The offense was literally yeah. suffocating. And, 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 you know, on top Lord of that, agreed. and this is like not even a knock on Mitch, but like Mitch is a paint bound big. You're not helping it. Like it, it, it adds to that, right? Like Hartenstein's not some floor spacer, but he can open up the paint in a different way. Right, you can use him in a different way that at least creates with the rim on free throws. Yeah, and and he also that was. was, I I want to see the sideline view of that because that looked like it was at least three feet short or something. Um, But yeah, look, that was just a terribly coached second half, and the minutes for Hartenstein yesterday made absolutely no sense to me. Like, I don't. I like imagine me. Watching the Hartenstein minutes yesterday was like that Donald Trump meme where he's like, and he's like moving his face all around and shit. Like it just was ridiculous um, how short of a leash he had for him. And it didn't really make sense to me at all, especially given how he's played against Miami this year. Um, so, yeah, team pipe, I mean, I have to do the single blame plus minus thing, but Hartenstein was a team high plus six. Yeah. And, and I it's don't also think... the ball movement, to your point, right? Yeah. The ball movement and facilitation. I thought. Mitch fought really hard on on the glass. Yeah, but yeah, he was great. Kevin. Like this is one thing people had noted that like Kevin Love is not as t- as good as Mobley right now as an overall player. But one thing he can do is he and even that third quarter, Mitch got him a couple of times. But you saw how he was boxing out. He wasn't getting pushed around. Again, another thing that um, going into the series, I I certainly underestimated about this team. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I mean, I wasn't going to say much more than that. Like, I, I don't think the, uh, like, you're right, single game plus minus doesn't necessarily mean everything. Um, or it doesn't mean everything. And I don't think Hartenstein was, like, amazing or something yesterday. But I do, and I, I thought this, I said this on the rundown when we did after the game yesterday, too. I thought the offense flowed better in both halves without Brunson on the floor. And that is somewhat to do with Brunson, but there's also there was also just better spacing because a lot of those units without Brunson on the floor had Grimes and Quickly on it, and then you had Hartenstein too in a lot of those linemen's, and that's just better spacing naturally. So there was more space for everybody to operate, and that that ha- just has like you know c- there's compounding downside lineups and there's compounding upside lineups, and like. Like I don't think quickly played a very good a good game yesterday. I don't think Grimes necessarily played a good game yesterday. Not that you could say much because he played like seven seconds, um, but like you could see kind of how much more space Miami had to cover. I think when those guys were on the floor, and um, 
albeit brief, there was a nice little stretch in the second quarter where he had Brunson on the floor with Quickly and Grimes. And that was actually when Brunson really got going offensively. Uh, because if you remember the first quarter, he struggled. I think he was like three of nine in the first quarter or something like that. So, like, again, this is not to me, this is not about me trying to pretend like, oh, Quickly was awesome yesterday and didn't get enough minutes or, you know, no, I don't think he played well. But I also think when he doesn't play well, there's still value in having him or Grimes on the floor, even if your primary mode of attack is getting Brunson and RJ downhill, because you want those guys to have space. And they didn't have a lot of space yesterday. Um, so that was just a major issue for me. Yeah, I mean, one, Hart has Hart, – this was the first really bad shooting performance Hart has had. So I understand Tibbs staying with him and not panicking if he's getting open threes. But he's got to get more than four up in 43 minutes. Um, I, I definitely agree that um, – and, and I think it's your point – if you if you're not going to give Brunson some spacing when he's clearly mentally to your point, you know, having a bit of a mini meltdown, isn't there somebody who knows pretty well on your bench, right? Yeah. Um, isn't uh, also as the head coach when your star player is going through something like that, take him out, take give him give him a couple minutes, let him get his composure and talk to him and be like, this is what you're not seeing. There was none of that, right? Yeah, they've got and, like seven billion tablets there on the sideline. And it's not, it's, not, it's not like Brunson is some head case, right? Like, so, like, he should be, in this moment, we know he should be able to deal with that. Um, so that was concerned. But, yeah, I mean, you, it's just going to be tough to survive Hart, RJ, and Obi had to take 11 threes yesterday. Credit to him for taking – but everyone's like, Obi needs to be more aggressive as a driver. To your point, there, there really isn't that space. Um, let me ask you this. Do you actually – I mean, it, it was 10 minutes for Quinn Grimes. It's tough for me to believe that he wasn't um, that he was that he would actually do that. Tibbs would do that if he was a hundred percent. He's actually managed, I think, that for some pause uh, between Grimes, Hart, RJ, and Quickly pretty well in terms of minutes. He quickly did have twenty seven minutes yesterday. Um, but like, so this is like, just before you finish. Just a very basic question: Do you think Tibbs trusts Quickly over Obi? Um, yeah. Why would do the OB play more minutes than him in than yesterday? It's a different. Position. But like, it's not like you could have moved hard up. I yeah, assume. that that's see. These are the things with Tibbs that'll never make sense to me. So I'm like, you clearly, and I don't. I actually think there's an argument that OB should have played more and like quickly's minutes. Yeah, and and quickly's minutes stay the same or maybe less, whatever. But like, my point is that just none of that makes any sense to me. Where like, if you clearly trust one guy over the other and then you have an option to use at the four, which we've seen him do against this very specific team very well, by the way. It's just weird to me to, like, not... To, to, to just... Well, I mean, that's how he closed the game yesterday, right? I think, to your point, I don't think he... I don't think, like, the minutes probably reflects what he wants to do necessarily in crunch time, but it was just weird that he didn't have any... Subs- like, that's the, the most frustrating thing. And I get it. It's low, low-hanging fruit, maybe, but it's, like, 10 minutes without a sub when you go from a point where you look like you could break the game open you know, up nine or 10 in the third, all the way to, um, you know, to, to trailing by the end of the third, no subs. Um, you I mean, know, he didn't call crazy. a timeout until we were down. Like they called a timeout when they tied it basically. And then he called another timeout once they went up eight and it's like, yeah. and you have two timeouts, you don't change anything. I, I don't really get that. Yeah. And, um, and so it was, um, but I, you, you, Basically, that starting lineup, right? What happened to it was, um, 
Obi Toppin was turned into a floor spacer. Josh Hart was turned into a floor spacer. And it was one of RJ Barrett or Jalen Brunson going downhill in in a in in, in lineups where in, in in no space, right? Um, that that's that the recognition of that was late. Um, I definitely I do think with he likes Hart and Barrett out there because he wants to be able to switch any kind of guard action that they run with Jimmy. Um, I also think there's probably a little bit of an overreaction to like. You know, I I still think I fear this team most when they're getting the ball outside and ping ponging around to the shooters. But after games, um, what is it, four, four and five, right when Jimmy just took over and Bud didn't have any answers, I wonder if there's a little bit of a reaction of like we can't let even a guy like we can't let a guy like quickly get matched up with Butler, right? We're most worried about Butler beating smaller defenders one on one. I still think the Heat team is more dangerous on offense um, when they're getting the ball to shooters. Um, but, but it, to your point, like off, you know, defense, they didn't play terrible defense. Um, I, I will ask, do you think Grimes getting 10 minutes is like some kind of artifact Tibbs not trusting him on Butler or something, or do you think it is it, health related? I mean, I think he in, intimated yesterday in the post game that it was health related, you know, working him back or whatever. It doesn't really make sense to me because he had a shoulder injury, not like a, like he should have theoretically been able to do. Well, if, work, if right? he's shooting, and the shoulder, like if he's relied on as a shooter, the shoulder injury becomes kind of a big thing, right? I, I get that, but and getting through screens and shit, like right? That. But his reasoning wasn't that. If that was, if his reasoning was like, oh, his shoulder, you know, he, he was a little tender or something, fine. But he, well, at least what he said was it was more about like the conditioning side of it, which I think is just weird. Yeah, um, four days being out, yeah, and and let's just say like, look. The Knicks have actually been kind of conservative with guys coming off injuries this season, and honestly, throughout a lot of Tibbs' time in New York, because I'm assuming that's a medical staff like decision or whatever. And so let's, I'll just take Tibbs at his word and assume that, okay, maybe the medical staff had a minute's limit on him yesterday for whatever reason. I feel like that reasoning, that, that, you can have that for a game, that's gone now. Like that, that can't be part of the equation anymore. Um, so if it continues, past this game, then there's a really big problem because we've seen Grimes do a really good job on Butler before. We saw him do that his rookie season. We've seen him do that this season. So this idea or this this deployment yesterday of Josh Hart to match Butler's minutes cannot happen again. That cannot be, or at least if it's going to happen, fine. But guess what? Then you have to play small because you can't have that, that RJ Hart Two three with Obi at the four is and again with Mitch at the five on top of that like that is just that that's not workable for a long stretch unless Brunson is just having a heater and he wasn't yesterday like his paint scoring was good but his jumper was off yesterday he was short on like everything um, so uh, that one honestly just just bad stuff um, from Tibbs uh, to me but maybe there's a had medical reason and so I'll defer to him on that so hopefully game two next time we see that that changes moving forward yeah and the other thing um i wanted to ask you know we don't know what randall's situation will be uh, multiple people have stated that you know shoot around and all that it didn't look like he had much lift um if he comes back again tibbs i think does trust hart hart and or barrett at the at the four more than ob um i mean not more than ob but like more than he would ne- ob next to randall and Miami has a really good center. He's also only 6'9". We've seen Randall have some success against him in the past. Do you think 
a small ball lineup, especially if the offense continues to struggle with, with, with um, you know, spacing and all that, a small ball lineup where they switch everything. Do you think Tibbs might go to that, or we're not just not going to see Julius at the five? Uh, I don't think we'll see Julius at the five. That's just never. There's nothing in his history to suggest that he thinks that's. Well, he he did it towards the end of the season, right? When we had some, I mean, he did it with with Mitch out. He's done it before, and I think he's more comfortable with that with Hart. He, he, he's done it very, very, very briefly. Like, it's usually for like a minute or two at the end of games. If we're down 8, 10, 9, like something like that. If we're just desperate, trying to get buckets. He has never gone to it in a meaningful... The last time, I'm not joking, the last time that he had a meaningful game where he used Randall at the 5 for long stretches, for actual stretches of meaningful game time, was his first season in New York, when we played a game in Atlanta, and we only had Mitchell Robinson as the healthy as a healthy center, Todd was out and Noel was out. So that was the only option. And Sims, he didn't obviously trust Sims at that point. Or not, Sims wasn't even on the team. What am I talking about? So yeah, it was just those two. That was the last time. That was like January of 2021. That's the last time he's used Randall in meaningful minutes at the five. In you know, in real game time, not talking about like, oh, we're down ten with a minute and a half left. Let's try something. So I, I don't see it. I, and like, I'm not. I'm so over bitching about this with Tibbs. It is what it is. That's what he believes. And I, I there's no point in me opining on whether that's smart or not. It is what it is. So um, that's the reality. And it's like, like you know, there are just things Tibbs does that I don't care to debate whether they're good or bad anymore. I just think that people should acknowledge facts and like if you your opinion on that can be fine. But stating a fact of like Tibbs is not going to use Randall to five, like he's just not. It's just it is what it is. So um all right, I wanted I wanted to uh highlight a few clips here. First of all, I want to start with something good because we've been very, very downcast on this pod so far, which, you know, for good reason. Um so I want to bring this up here. Uh, everybody can see this. Okay, great. We are here. All right. This is the Knicks. This is the first offense. This is the first half. Okay. This is them actually hunting Duncan Robinson right here. Look at this. Look at this milk toast fellow here, Duncan Robinson. Okay. Uh, watch Brunson. Okay. So Hartenstein comes up. That screen does nothing. Right. You get Bam on you. Who cares? That's not. That's not a good mismatch. And the Knicks in previous matchups have unfortunately weirdly decided to try to hunt Bam. Brunson especially has this weird thing where he does that. Okay, but he doesn't do that here. Now watch this. He, he looks over at Obi. He's calling Obi to do this. Now watch. They don't even get a switch, but just because you have to hedge and Bam has to cover for Duncan, and he's going to go over the screen, and they don't want to switch this, right? Miami does not want to switch this. Look at what it opens up here, right? Because that happens... And this is smart on Brunson. This is what he doesn't do enough. He swings it to Hart. Hart gets a step. Robinson's here. And that's Miami that's Hogan. a good help defender too, by the way. Yeah, that's Jimmy Butler. Yeah. So like, even Jimmy was in good position, but even that crack of space or having to help changes everything. Right. And now Robinson, bad defender, kind of just lost in space. Nice screen for Hartenstein there too. Yeah. So this is just like really, really good. And it's not even like this play didn't open up a lot. You know, I can sit here and pretend like, oh my God, like look at all this. No, they didn't get a lot of great space. But just by putting a bad defender in conflict, 
look at what you got. And yeah, good good stuff by Hartenstein here, but just look at that. Like Lowry doesn't want to leave quickly in the corner, right? And voila. Look at that. Wide open dunk for Ogie. Okay. Would you say that um, you know, Robinson, Robinson also baffed that or goofed on that just because he should probably be um, – Well, he doesn't, he doesn't want, need to be helping Butler there, right? I mean, Butler probably had that drive contained. Maybe, probably. But even then, I think – like the fact that you all you already got drive and kick going there, yeah, but maybe Robinson doesn't need to be there, whatever. Um, and – that maybe that shuts off the drive, sure. But again, like putting bad defenders in in the action opens these possibilities up. And the Knicks did a really good job of this in the first half. This is um, a few possessions later. Brunson's off the floor here, by the way. Just want to note that. Uh, so it's Grimes, Quick, Obi, RJ, Hardenstein. Now, this is like again, this is nothing crazy, but he calls Grimes over to run this screen. Right. He also and Robinson's already trailing a little bit because of that first Hardenstein. Yeah. Um I don't even know if that's a ghost screen. He didn't really make contact, but Dunga's already behind the play, so right. you're taking a bad defender, already putting him at a disadvantage. All right. Now trying to watch shut this. off his water. Robinson shows, but he has to come back to Grimes. Again, if this is Hart They don't care. They don't give a shit. This this does not open up if this is Hart. And that's a great. It's a. I actually think he could have probably taken off a little bit later, but I mean, this is. You can just watch this in our play again, but this is one of my favorite plays the entire game. Very, very basic. Get the defender in conflict. Boom. Robinson has to show a little bit. Can't recover out to Grimes. Um, he, he wants to recover out to Grimes, but he doesn't anyway because by that point, RJ is blown by. But um, yeah, that's just very, very good. And this is how you punish Miami when they have a Duncan Robinson on the floor. All right, this is a few possessions later. I love this possession. This is, by the way, I think this is maybe – this is one of my favorite RJ possessions ever. It's very, very unfortunate at the end of this play. But um, I love this. Watch him. He's like – Yelling at Obi, like, come fucking set the screen right now. So bouncy. And this is just this is easy money for him. Martin has to help because Robinson is a turnstile, and that is a wide open corner three for Grimes. Like again, you have to live with that if you were the Knicks. And yes, Grimes needs to shoot shoot better, and he will. Right, right. The odds are always. Good shooters will eventually shoot well. That's just how it works. And this is also not one of those playoffs threes where it's like, oh, it's too tight. This is um, this is no, a look that he do not want to give up. This is a big win for the Knicks, right? Yeah. So th- those are those are some really just basic. And I thought that was a very good thing they did in the first half to the point that Robinson basically didn't play until the fourth quarter, I want to say. Um, I want to highlight this right here. Okay, this is... You can, as you can see, <laughs> great pass, shitty spacing. Okay, um, this is start of the second second half. Nine minutes left in the third quarter. So okay, so you, this is the starting lineup that that played yesterday, right? Brunson, Mitch, RJ, Hart, Obi. I don't want you to watch anything but Struess and Vincent. Just watch these guys. They don't give a shit. Down to three, Look at where they are. The they don't care. They they had. Look at how many guys are in the paint when when Obi makes this pass. Okay, this is hold on. it's so annoying how 
inefficient those. Okay, three, now look at this. There are three guys and basically four because Love is on Obi in With the paint. Show and go. One like, more to Barrett. Was that, was that a no look pass? Too? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Let's maybe, see. That was actually a really nice pass by Obi. Yeah, he 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 loves. He's good at making this pass. This is like a great pass for him. Um, With show and yeah, go. I think it was actually. One more That's a great Barrett. pass. And you know what? Maybe Would you LeBron... argue that RJ should have made the extra no. pass? It is a corner three. Yeah, so no, that. I want RJ shooting that. But, like, the point is more that, <laughs> I mean, this possession as a whole is just incredibly infuriating. So, is that a bad shot, though? Like, no. his hand is down and it's Brunson, right? No, that's a great shot. I, this, that was terrible. I don't know what Josh Hart's doing there. He's going to throw uh, his step My the comes down, they like, can't have three. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> He's going to try to be Yeah, it was just, and he had, I think if you go back to this, he probably had, he should have had, uh, I think RJ's in the corner here, open. And I, I get it. Like, yeah, that's the extra pass you got to make. You got to make that, or OB's top of the key open there. So, like, but th- that, that possession, you just see, like, the spacing is terrible. And yeah, those aren't, those are good shots. You need to take those shots. But, like, because this, the, you know, the Brunson one, especially, that's a great shot. You know, if he makes that, great. I mean, you want that shot. That's a shot you dream about. RJ has to take that shot, but the problem is that's a shot Miami wants to give up. You're not putting them in any conflict there. There's nothing that they're worried about there. And the reason Struess is able to close out on RJ the way he closed out is, guess what? Guess who the swing pass is for RJ there? It's Hart. Who cares? If he makes, if you force him to make, pass up a corner three for a Hart above the break three, you'll live with that if you're Miami. So that, that was just a, a very basic example of like the type of garbage spacing that we were subjected to throughout this game um and that Tibbs didn't adjust to and the last thing i wanted to show um here just a couple of bad examples of defense again this is one on rj and there's one on brunson and and obi actually it's brunson and obi on the second one um I, i don't think rj had a terrible defensive game i thought it was worse when on the rewatch and i just wanted to highlight one play because like I think you can kind of see why RJ OB Brunson probably is not a great combination against Miami starters. Uh, so I just wanted to highlight maybe why that is. So, and, and this also is to your point, like some of this isn't even necessarily maybe bad defense, but you're not as drilled on this stuff because like you mentioned, Butler went off in those game in games four and five, right? So maybe now if you're Tibbs, you're like, I need to make sure that Butler is not going off for 35, 40. And some of this is a result of that. All right, so that they set the screen there. They get the switch. I think this is just bad from RJ. Like, I don't understand this. How? You're, look at him here, okay? Use your fucking body. He doesn't stay on to Butler. He doesn't, make, he doesn't body him at all. He just stands there, lets Butler easily turn. Gives him the baseline. Right? Now, this is the part that I actually... Like, I can live with that, right? At least he shaded him, forced him to the help. You're good there, okay? Now, just watch him on the rest of this play. Just watch RJ. One more, one more to Vincent. Yeah, this is the stuff he got rid of in the cap series. And yeah, like that, that not the, not can't happen. That, you can't... Okay, fine. I, I don't love the initial defense on Butler, but like I said, he at least forced... He doesn't give him the middle... Let's him go baseline, and Mitch comes over to cover. That's fine. That's good stuff. Okay. Now, if all RJ has to do here is recover to somebody, anybody, nothing. He just stands there under the hoop. Like that's just terrible. I'm sorry.
Um, okay. And again, I just want to say this. like I didn't think RJ's effort on defense overall was bad. That was just a bad example. And the Knicks had a few of these bad examples. I didn't have time to clip too much today, so I just clipped that one because it was very noticeable. Um, okay. This is another one. Watch Brunson. recorded me saying not be Steve Novak. That clip has played a few times. <laughs> um, watch Brunson and Obi here on the weak side, specifically Obi after the shot goes up initially. This is good. This is good defense, by the way, for the most part. Okay, this is good. That's just. But wh- wh- why watch Obi here? Just watch. Shots going up, right? He sees his man in the corner. Brunson's here. Watch Obi. That's awful. He literally doesn't even look where the ball is. He doesn't look to see where the ball comes off the glass. He's already leaving his man. Okay, what does Brunson do now? What do Obi and Brunson do now? They're just... Brunson points, doesn't rotate anywhere. Like, we didn't get punished on that. But if you look at this, go back here. Look at this. If Struess makes one more pass... That is a wide open corner three. And Brunson isn't rotating. He pointed. He he did point initially, which was the right thing, right? Like, oh, Obi, go get this guy. Good, good. That's that's the now right you have thing. To get to the corner, right? He's got to get somewhere. He's either got to get here or he's got to go here. Quick's in position to to make a choice. So he can take like he he actually gets a really good contest here. Struce misses it. I mean, it's a it's a decent three for Struce, but you'll live with that. I mean, I think the scheme is for quickly to help one pass away, right? So Right. And and even then, like, this is just basic basketball, because this is kind of a broken play, right? Okay. Obi does his job. He forces the pass. Brunson needs to be busting his ass to get over here. Has to. Has to. Because Obi can always come back and get back on Lowry. He's got no shot to come over here. Hart, you don't want him leaving Butler. Butler's a non-shooter, right? But he's a great offensive rebounder, so you don't want to leave him. That's Brunson. Brunson has to get here. He has to. And he has to do something. This is just what—that's what he does. Gets a rebound, but that's that's a terrible play from him. Um, and that was terrible from Obi to start with. And like, I love Obi. I think Obi fucks up on defense and gives you effort to get back into plays. That's cool, and I can live with that to an extent. But I—I I mean, <laughs> this is just—you can't have this. You can't. This can't happen. That cannot happen. And in this a is when people. I do think some of the uh, criticisms of his rebounding have been over the top. Um, I don't think he like kills the Knicks in the glass, but that is one thing people have mentioned that you know all this haste to like get out and leak for buckets. You know, these are the things that you kind of lose, and I think that trade off is usually good for the Knicks. But um, you can see why it's something that uh, that Tibbs has you know has always. I've never uh, exactly been a big fan of. So. Yeah, and so I just wanted to highlight a few of those things, uh, good and bad, because I think the, the I, I would say like I do feel very strongly about this now after watching this game again or most of it anyway this morning. Um, I think Miami is targeting like Brunson and RJ. I think they know those guys aren't the most attentive defensive rebounders in the world, and especially Caleb Martin and Struess, they were flying in for offensive rebounds. They, they were not, you know, getting back down the floor initially. Like, they were waiting, and they were taking their shots. Caleb had a couple of offensive rebounds, one on Brunson, one on RJ in the second quarter, if I remember correctly. Um, 
the Knicks got to be aware of that. Brunson specifically has to be a lot better with that. RJ can get away with like not boxing out sometimes just because he's big. big, right? Like so, you can get away with that. Brunson can't, especially because and he's he's got to lock in his defense yesterday. I didn't like I said I, there was a lot of stuff I could have clipped that I just didn't have time to. I wanted to clip the offense stuff more. I wanted to do more defense shit, but like it, that was just a bad bad game from Brunson on both sides of the floor. A couple of those leak outs in the third quarter. One was actually on Hart, which was kind of <laughs> shocking. Well, he's going to crash. That was the whole point of it, right? They had Jimmy leaking. But, but they he know Hart's going to crash, right? He didn't even crash. That's the thing. He just he took a three and then watched, and Butler just ran past him. That was in it. That 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 can't happen. Brunson had one exactly like that too. Pulls up for three. He does the love and basketball, you know, <laughs> poses and uh, and 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 then Butler gets an easy leak out like those. I mean, that's four points right there. It's a, it's a seven-point game. Like, if you take out... How many transition points did the... I don't even know how many transition points they had yesterday. The last one was the one where the Knicks actually sent Obi back and Butler mossed him out of... I don't know how that happened. I, I think that was still on... Brunson. That was also Love being, like, fucking... That was a great pass. The best quarterback in New York, right? So. <laughs> but it was, it was a great pass, and... Um, like I, I get that, you know. In New I'm, York State, by the way, <laughs> right? Uh, but like, I, I'm, I get all of those things. It's just that, um, yeah. like, if you're holding me, your pose and shit like that, that you just can't, like, you can't do that. Yeah, it, it was just, it was a bad, it was a bad, bad game for us yesterday, in in some ways. And like, even then, I thought the defense was mo- was pretty good. I thought it was pretty solid overall. I wanted to highlight a few of those, um, just because I wanted to show how like you know, there are issues that we had, but like, and, and to your point, there are examples of some of the threes that Miami got yesterday, right? It was like Butler's posting up, you send help. So now you're in rotation. Eventually they find, you know, an open man, but you can see on some of those, the Knicks weren't necessarily drilled on exactly how to do it. Cause they weren't doubling anybody in the post the last series. And I talked about this in the preview that we did on Saturday is I think Butler in the post is something that Miami can go to, um, that's just like very different from anything we faced in the first round. So part of this could just be as simple as like the Knicks needed to see it. And now that they've seen it, you know, you're going to play three, four or five games against these guys. You will adjust and you will get better at making those rotations. So I think some of that will naturally clean up, but, but the, the couple that I highlighted there, those aren't anything about rotations, right? That's just shitty effort, shitty attention to detail. Yeah. Um, Do you think, you know, if, Butler in the post, even on guys like RJ or Hart, is a concern. There's two things, right? Um, the Heat, the Heat often will play Kevin Love at the four, who is a shooter, um, and and a good rebounder. So my question is this: Would you rather have the question I'm building to is, do you think we'd ever see Randall on Butler much? Here's why: If you do have to double Butler in the post, as good as Hart has been. That leaves you at a disadvantage. So I don't think you, Randall can probably survive there. He's, he's a much bigger guy. Uh, and two, I do worry about Randall guarding Kevin Love a bit because like closing out and rotating and, and boxing out haven't been Randall's forte. I wonder if they would match up like that at all. Uh, I'm curious to your thoughts on this. Um, so putting Randall on Butler. Yeah. I don't think I would want that because. Butler's such a good cutter off ball. He's very, very active off ball. And um, we know Randall, once he's not in the action, can fall asleep. 
So I I would that's be only, that's good for a couple of buckets a game. Like if if you take away Butler's creation out of the post in exchange is that, for a is, of, I also think Randall get Randall is susceptible to getting into foul trouble. That's true. And that's, that's not a good Yeah, and then you're also just gonna like you need Randall out there. Like I don't know what the hell our offensive rating was in game five against Cleveland with Randall on the floor. But we looked like we were about to put up like one thirty in that game when he was healthy. To like, and that would have been obviously our best scoring game of the of the playoffs. I think that ended up being the best scoring game of, the, of our playoff run so far, and that was one hundred and six points. Like it wasn't exactly an explosion. And that was where we, I mean, we were playing garbage time minutes for the last couple minutes, right? There. Right, and and so like when Randall, if Randall gives us that guy, that guy that showed up in Game Five, the one that we we need takes your offense to a higher level, and that matters more in this series to me than... Because to me, the defense, like, all the stuff that I highlighted and everything, like, at the end of the day, we held them under their season average. We held them, we held them under their average field goal percentage from the field. We held them under their three-point percentage from the field. Like, the defense, to me, was not the issue. I mean, there yes, there are things to clean up, and there are things that can improve the, the transition stuff and some of the things I highlighted there, just a little bit more attention to detail making an extra effort, et cetera. But lar- by and large, like we lost that game because we couldn't score enough. And that's been our biggest issue for five, six games now in the playoffs. So um, I-, I would be more focused on like, okay, how can Randall help us open things up offensively and save his energies for that versus put him on Butler? I mean, maybe if, if Butler's cooking like Hart, he's cooking Grimes, cooking RJ, then sure, yeah, try Randall out on it. But I- that wouldn't be my primary motivation. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, it's it's not just cooking. Right? It's also when he's finding shooters. That's what I worry the most about. Um, and um, and so I will not push back on on the defensive point. I do say I do think that really after midway through the second quarter, it did seem like the Heat found a lot more success um, on offense. So um, you know, I, I do think that there's probably some low hanging fruit there. Um, I, I mean, I also think like we're like Obi tries really hard. He's not a great defender. Um, he's probably not a better defender than Randall. Um, you know, Brunson. I mean, Brunson just can't be that bad on defense. Uh, you know, RJ probably took a bit of a step back from where he was playing at the end of the Cleveland series. Although I still think I'm not, you know I thought he was pretty good. Um, but um, but I think what's interesting uh, to your point is. Randall is a tough, like, do you guard him with, um, Haywood Highsmith didn't get many minutes. Do they put someone, like, he's undersized to guard Randall. But he's probably one of their more reliable defenders. Do you put Kevin Love on Randall? I think the Knicks will take that naturally. In the past, they have put Bam on Randall, but, um, but, but then that, that should open up the paint, right? If, you, if Kevin Love is the rim protector, uh, or, or you have to live with Randall open threes. So I think to your point, like, that is, um, and I mean, I'll also say this. They let Obi take 11 threes. Randall isn't some great shooter. I believe they will be more worried about him shooting threes than they were with Obi. Um, so I do think that the spacing would be help there. Um, and to the last point I'll make, kind of related to all of that, he did struggle against the Cavs, but they have two seven-footers. The Heat don't have any. That he'd have one elite defender who Randall has had success against in the past. And <laughs> nothing. Right, so this is a series Randall can have a lot of success in, but I worry on defense about him getting out on shooters. And if they, if the Knicks are doubling Butler at all, 
relying on Randall to be that help guy and not doing some of the watching things. Those are the things that worry me more with him. At, you know, all things considered, right? The Knicks, you know, the Knicks had a lot of guys who the Heat are fine with taking threes. But you, the one you clipped, Brunson, like Butler's hand was down. Yeah, so you have, so Brunson was 0 for 7 from 3, but a big part of it was, um, the, the big part of it was that, um, you know, he wasn't, uh, that he was just missing open shots. Missed a lot of good catch and shoot looks. They were, they were, um, <laughs> they were, uh, some of them are at least lightly contested, but he's probably not going to go for over seven. Um, I think quickly and, uh, quickly and, um, and Grimes are going to go better than, you know, whatever, two for seven or whatever it was. Um, and, uh, you know, RJ missed a couple of free throws. Grimes missed a free throw. And, and you know, a, they, a lot went wrong. The Heat got, you know, 10 points maybe off of those outlet passes that they won't get in game two. You know, they lost on this margins, but they still were in the game until late. Um, I would like to see them make the Heat a little bit more uncomfortable on offense than they did in the second half. I think the Heat got into a rhythm. And everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And yeah, they were at home, but, um, you know, it still it doesn't feel like the sky is falling necessarily after this loss. There's a lot to be optimistic about, to your point. Uh, sorry, I was responding to something. Could you repeat the end of that again? Sorry, that's my fault. The point is that, like, as much as a lot of, like, I'm not just going to say, oh, the Knicks shot 9 for 34 from 3. That was why they lost. Because, yeah, it was, but a lot of those 23s are coming from, out of those 34 threes, 20 came from Obi, um, Hart, or RJ, who are, you know, and for what it's worth, as I think your clip showed, they are more worried about RJ, I think, than, um, than Hart for sure. Um, but those are three guys that the Cavs are happy to let them take 23 pointers in a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Grimes quickly and Brunson combined for 14. Um, half of those from Brunson. So a big part of that is Grimes quickly weren't in the game enough. But even quickly only took four threes in 27 minutes. Not all of that is on him. A lot of it is he's being missed. I'm not saying, well, whatever it is, they need to make sure he gets more than four attempts in 27 minutes. Um, but the, the Heat knew the personnel and were making sure those guys took threes. But having said that, you still had um, Grimes quickly and Brunson. Not only did they only take 14, they also only made three. So um, actually they made two, two out of 14. So they will shoot better. Even Hart will usually shoot better than zero, 0 for 4. Um, so there's going to be some regression there. Um, but, um, and, you know, and, you know, they had some of the free throw issues. They, you know, they had 10 points that they got up on league outs. So my whole point is that, um, you know, it, it was still a very close game despite a lot going wrong for the Knicks. Do you take much optimism for that? How how worried are you? Um, I, I would, I'll say this. I thought it was Knicks in 5 before the series started. Um, I was pretty disappointed. Um, but, um, but, you know, on rewatch, there's still a lot, there are a lot of things that can be easily cleaned up. Um, so two things, one, are there, is there a lot of optimism you still have for taking out of this game? And two, do you think Spolster showed his hand a bit? Cause he, he went deep, like that, you know, the, the outlet for a clear adjustment he made, um, you know, some of the, the defensive switches he made. Do you think that he has a whole lot left that he can go to as well? I mean, Spolster will always have pivots right he'll always he'll go back to something he'll try something new. like he'll he'll always try things so like i don't think he's showed everything i mean even if he showed everything there's stuff we know he's gonna do that he didn't do a bunch of like they didn't do and i think they didn't do much zone because 
they went zone in the second quarter. That was against that quickly RJ Grimes, OB Hardenstein lineup. Knicks actually got pretty good offense. Uh, they got pretty good shot quality in that in against that zone, and they went out of it pretty fast. I, I think the zone works better against our starters. Brunson has a bad habit of trying to split the top of the zone instead of swinging it and trusting guys and whatever. I also uh, think we'll see more zone with Randall, A, because they don't really have a great option in man without pulling Bam out of the paint, and B, because he's not... Like, Obi is actually a, probably a better quick processor against zone than, than Randall. So, yeah, I think you'll see even more zone. Yeah, I think you'll see zone. Um, I also think, like, there's a, it's, it's a whole... There's a lot of like cascading impacts of Randall, right? Where like I don't love his processing against Miami, but Miami, to your point, when they don't play zone, they put Bam on him. Like he's they trust Bam is the one guy they really trust on on Randall. They put but they put Butler on him sometimes, but they prefer Butler off ball. Like even if you watch yesterday, he wasn't on Brunson the entire time. Like he he did have some possessions on Brunson, but there are a lot of times there was when he was when Quickly was on the floor. There are a few times he was just on Quickly because Quickly was in the corner, right? So he can help off Quickly, whatever. They like using Butler in a lot of different ways, um, not locking him into this is your matchup. Like go lock this guy down, and that's not even like a real thing anymore in the NBA, right? With how much screen and all that shit is like switching is just it's very hard. Um, I think. When you have Randall, though, they'll put Bam on him. But Love will be on on Mitch, which, to your point, like Love is actually a good defensive rebounder, so Mitch can't just have his way uh, on the glass, which is why I really think Hartenstein is so key in this series. Like He opens up the offense, and he can do more. Like This isn't—I'm not trying to downplay Mitch, but Mitch, at his, at, like, his greatness is offensive rebounding. Really, like that's what makes him special. When you have team, like there are teams where he's going to be able to exploit that shit. If he played Sabonis yesterday, he might have set a world record for, he might have set the all time record for offensive rebounds. Fucking Kevon Looney, man, that guy's a stud. I love him. Um, but like, this is not that matchup. And Hartenstein's ability to do more, yeah, he's still a really good offensive rebounder, but he gives you more than that, right? He can pass at the high post. He's a more intuitive screener on and off ball. Um, you, we saw that in that clip yesterday or that I showed earlier where he's like screening for Obi, right? Opening him up. We've seen him like screen for weak side threes. He does all that kind of stuff. He's, he's a very smart, intuitive player in that sense. So this just feels like a series for him. And um, Randall will open up different possibilities. But like, I, I just come back to this. I really feel like if the Knicks lose the series, short of continued catastrophic three-point shooting, which uh, honestly, I thought yesterday, yes, we could talk about three-point shooting was bad from players. You can't divorce that, though, from the lineups that Tibbs was yeah, choosing to put out there. You yeah. can't divorce those things. So that's like, still... I think it being, even then, it, it being this bad is a bit of an outlier, but like that was a driving factor. And you have to know that's going to be a risk. But yeah, I, I, I'm actually... I'm encouraged not by how we played yesterday necessarily, but I don't think the adjustments that need to be made are that significant. Like, I don't think they're some, oh my God, like, we don't have any answers. Like, no, I think we have answers. I think we have options. I think we have solutions. Um, but will Tibbs lean into those things? Will he choose them? He he did make the necessary adjustments against Cleveland. So that's a positive sign. I think he has grown as a coach this year, um, but he has to show it again. Like, 
can he get over his Josh Hart fixation? I hope so, because we're not going to win this series if he just ties Hart's minutes with RJ. And even when Randall comes back with Obi, like, sure, maybe teams respect Randall more as a shooter, but I promise you they're more than happy to let Randall shoot threes versus when he gets inside and he can start really throwing his fucking weight around, right? You know, like, it's just, you. It, it that's always going to be the case. So even if they respect him more, they don't respect him so much that all of a sudden, like, you could play a, a subpar non-shooter to some extent at the three. Um, so, or at least not at both the three and the two, right? Yeah. Can, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think we either of us are saying Hart needs to go down twenty minutes a game. No, no. Um, no. But just, make, just you need to separate him and RJ. And I get why Tibbs wants to play that because that, like, being able to switch one, two, three, or you know, between the two and three with Jimmy there helps. Um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it probably means starting Grimes, and then, um, and then you know, against bench players, you know, you have Hart out there, and then quickly can be can do his like off ball crazy shit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you have those adjustments. That's a big one, right? Um, I also think, but like even then, Brunson's just going to have to be. They are still going to key in on Brunson, and I think I highlighted this before. This game really, to me, highlighted. A lot of, and I think it's interesting because I think you're coming at it from the standpoint of, you know, it was bad selection. Like he's making consciously bad decisions. Whereas for me, I do wonder how much of it is just mutations that that drive it. Um, there's, let me ask you this: like we've seen quickly make the pass to the weak side corner. We've seen RJ make it. Um, that is like the money pass. Whenever you do draft prospect evaluation, you want to look at someone's ceiling as a creator. Um, that being able to do that consistently, by the way, is one thing that really took Donovan Mitchell's game to another level when he was still in Utah. Um, how many times have you seen Brunson hit the weak side corner this season? Uh, he doesn't, he, what he does, if he does it, it's when he is kind of like gnashing his way into the paint and instead of dribbling back out, he sees the guy in the corner and will just make that pass to him. Right. But it, what he doesn't do is, you know, right off the pick and roll, right? Arjun's pretty good at this. Right off the pick and roll. If he sees the tagger, boom. Quickly is quickly RJ can throw that with, with one hand or he can throw it a little bit quicker. Quicker usually has quickly has to jump and throw it, but he, they both get the ball there and they find those guys, you know, pretty early. Brunson, to your point, has to kind of slow it down. So it, it lose you lose the advantage. the whole advantage of that is the tagger is in no man's land. Because it's a really difficult closeout. Um, and so he either has to play soft, which means your role man has there's no help on there, so you're really putting pressure on the role role defender, or uh, or he's late closing out. But the thing is, so the, the thing is that if you have quickly in that corner, if you have Grimes in that corner, that he can still be aggressive if Brunson isn't making them pay on that. Um, and if you put them in the strong side corner, then you know the Heat can just um, the Heat have an easier closeout, right? So that's why when quickly and Grimes are putting up these lower shooting lines it's like well a lot of the times like they have this much space because they're keyed in on and um and the, and the knicks aren't finding them in the kind of spots where the heat are able to find uh max Struess and, and gabe vincent and the one guy who created a wide open three for grimes was rj um so that's a limitation brunson is, i'm not i'm not killing brunson as a passer i think he's really good at interior passing he's good at looking off defenders obviously doesn't turn the ball over much and the other thing, as I mentioned before, I think that he needs to focus a little bit more on pocket passing. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned in, in the Discord that you would like to see you know Brunson use a little bit more as a second right side creator. 
maybe deferring to, to RJ and, um, and or IQ a little bit more. It'll be interesting to see how, you know, you have even more mouths to feed when Randall comes back. But A, I want you to kind of expand on how you envision that looking. And B, do you think that, you know, over the offseason, do you think there's ways Brunson can improve as a passer? Because as a live ball passer and being able to attack all areas of the floor, that seems to be the biggest weakness right now for him offensively. He's gotten away with it all season because he's such a terrific shot maker. Um, but um, but especially when you're not going to get calls as, as well in, in, this, in the playoffs. You know, one, I, so one, definitely tell me what you, you how you want to see him deployed. And two, you know, this offseason, what can he do to improve those things? You know, just like, you know, other guards in the past who've gotten better at those things. Even I think the biggest thing is Brunson has short arms and he's short, right? Like quickly is not much taller, but he's got 6'10 wingspan. So he can, he can create those angles that Brunson can't. But guys like Chris Ball have been able to. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on, you know, how you can kind of focus and improve that this offseason, you know, to get to the next level as a creator. Uh, I mean, for Brunson, I, I don't know how much next level he can do as a creator. I just think several limitations he has as a passer, and some of that is about his height. You know, he doesn't have a great wingspan or anything. All, you know, he's not the most explosive athlete, so some of the gaps that he creates aren't going to be as, you know, it, it's not like he's forcing help in the same way that somebody like uh, Darren Fox might, right? Uh, just in terms of speed and how much, how fast defenses have to react. It's a little bit different. I just think with him, it's like a lot of it to me just boils down to trust. And I think he's geared as a scorer and he's a phenomenal scorer. Like he's, he's a fucking fantastic scorer. So there's nothing wrong with that, but he is geared as a scorer. That's he's a score first player. And I think at times that gets him into trouble. And it also at times leads him to hesitate to give the ball up. Like when he draws two to the ball, especially this is a team. If you draw two to the ball, you did your job. Your job is done. Now you have to trust your teammates. And we saw that, like, there's a possession later, late in the first half, right, where I think he drove two to the ball, swings it to, uh, swings it to Hart, Hart found RJ in the middle of the paint, and then RJ threw it to Mitch for a lob. And it's like, when he makes quick, decisive plays out of those traps, out of those hedges, it opens up so much for the Knicks offensively. Even when they don't have ideal spacing, just creating those small fissures in the defense allows way more to happen. Where he gets into trouble is when he gets the trap and then he just still kind of stares at it and then he lets them show, like show and then recover to their man without really punishing them. That's when he gets into trouble. And Miami was very unwilling to switch Duncan Robinson, especially. The Knicks were smart to attack that. When they took that away, look, say what you want about these various Miami players, but like Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin, you know, Butler, obviously, these guys aren't, how many of them are bad defenders? Not saying that Brunson can't get buckets on them, but how many of them are bad defenders that he's just going to roast over and over and over again? Not many. Struce. Yeah, Struce isn't even like that bad a defender. He's probably the worst one. And, you know, how many times did he even get a switch on a Struce? Like, they're, they're clearly not trying to, tr like, switch uh, guys onto Brunson, there are probably specific dudes that they're comfortable with doing that, right? Like, if it's Butler, they're fine with, okay, yeah, we'll switch Butler onto him. They were comfortable okay. switching Lowry onto him. The one time I think they used IQ on a go screen, um, he got Butler, like, he came up, set the kind of, I mean, you can't really set a go screen, uh, but he go screens, Lowry ends up 
switching onto Brunson and then Butler went with Quick. You know, Brunson scored on that possession, but it wasn't like he roasted him. It was a it was a sh- good shot for Brunson, which isn't necessarily a good shot for many players in the NBA. It's just a good shot for Brunson. Um, the point is, like, I I don't know. To me, what he needs to improve on generally is really just being willing to get a, get a, getting off the ball faster. And I would suggest that, like, again, I don't think Quickly's played very well offensively through the playoffs. I also think it's ridiculous to watch how he's playing and actually think that he's being used the same way he was in the regular season. He He's just not. Like, look at his pick-and-roll numbers. Look at his ISO numbers. He's not getting the same latitude. And whether... It, it it's actually irrelevant to me whether you think that's good or not. I I actually thought in the Cleveland series it made sense. Um, I'm less inclined to believe that in this series. And you go back and watch the last game that we played against Miami in the regular season. Watch how we started that game. Watch when quickly comes in, and then watch when Brunson comes back in and plays with quickly, and watch how we got our offense going. Like. You are doing a disservice. Forget quickly. Like you're not doing. You're doing a disservice to Brunson by putting this much of the, you know, creation load on him. And you're not maximizing what he's capable of. You know, this is a guy who, yeah, he's a dynamic ISO scorer. He's a dynamic on ball creator for sure. He's also fucking awesome off ball. Like we know this. We saw this for years in Dallas. We've seen this in New York at times. When he plays with quickly, when he plays with RJ, like he can play off ball and be a very, very dynamic weapon, to be honest. Um, I, I think they need to let, like, I think Tibbs really, like, I get why against Cleveland he went very, very heavy into get the ball to RJ, get the ball to Brunson, let those guys cook. Everybody else operates kind of like in this world to space the floor for them and play off of what they do. I get that. I think it was a very reasonable choice. And I think it was a reason why we were so dominant on the offensive glass. Miami's a different animal. Uh, they won't need to send help in the same way that Cleveland sent help. And quite frankly, you're not forcing them to when you play RJ and Hart together. So you, you've already made an issue there. Um, and like, I think if you play quickly with him and let quickly just do some of the basic initiating, he can get that ball and swing it to Brunson on the weak side, and let him attack. Even if it's not some... It doesn't need to be a massive rotation, right? But we saw this in that clip I posted earlier where, like, Brunson draws two to the ball real quick. You know, it opens up a small crack for Hart. He gets into the paint, is able to find Obi. Like, it it doesn't necessarily need to be huge. Like, the playoffs aren't about creating huge margins. They're just... trying to capitalize on as many small advantages as you can because these are the best teams in the NBA. So you're not going to get like, you know what I mean? You're not going to get just free runs to the rim constantly. So I would say like just to get Brunson going, I'd like to see him be used more off ball. And that doesn't need to just be quickly. That can be RJ too, right? Like I talked about this earlier where, you know, I just thought RJ wasn't involved enough after that first quarter he had. I mean, look at that first quarter he had. You think Miami wasn't keyed in on stopping him? You think it might have helped Brunson to to let him do that and play off of him more in the second and third quarters a bit? Sure, I think so. Especially um, since here's the thing, right? The other advantage of using RJ on ball 
is that if Quickly or Brunson have to create, the shooter in the corner is R.J. Barrett, which he's been shooting the ball better. But when R.J. creates, um, you know, it's um, when R.J. creates, it's the shooter in the corner is Brunson or Quickly, right? <laughs> Who are or, or wherever, right? The floor spacers become much better shooters. So you know, it's it's really a twofold effect there. You have a different guy, you know, take some pressure off your guy. Uh, usually have a smaller defender. You have Vincent on Barrett, so that's already a, a better matchup. And um, and now you have to rely on RJ to make the right decisions, but he's been doing that these playoffs, you know. Um, and you know, I think in the regular season, would be where people like you know we let RJ cook more. He's not being used properly. That's why he's struggling. I didn't think it was very good because one his decision making hadn't been great when he had been doing those things, and Brunson and Randall were that good. But right now. That really, it, it, it seems the opportunity is there to, to lean into that. Um, and, um, and, and Brunson and Quickly are, are really good at finding space off ball. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, I get the decision. I don't. And, like, I, this is where it's at for me. Maybe Quickly is just going to struggle. And we saw in that game one against Cleveland, he didn't look great. Um, when he was the point guard on the floor. I get that. He's done enough this year that I think he deserves way more benefit of the doubt than just that game. And since that game, and I've been saying it since then, to me, his role has been completely streamlined. Um, he's playing almost exclusively off the ball. They also weirdly have just not... like Those guard-guard screens against Cleveland were really good in game three and four. And he just or sorry, game three, really. And we didn't, we haven't used quickly as a screener since then. He's set go screens, but we haven't actually used him as the screener, which I think is a just, well, I mean, I think doesn't really make sense. I think it'll make more. I would love to see whatever happened was with, with Randall. I think I, I would have liked to see more of IQ and Obi together. They didn't play that well together this year, but this is a rejuvenated Obi. Um, Obi had like a really nice pull up against Jared Allen. Um, in the last series, off of like a screen and roll with Hart, I believe. And I would have, you know, I'd like to explore that more. And to your point, like, so I think the guard guard screens, I don't think they're going to come back because I think the Heat are comfortable switching a lot of those to to your earlier point. But like, especially when Randall comes back, I'm curious. They've done they've gone to this in the past, like inverting the screen. If Randall has Kevin Love on him, do you or, or even if he has you know a different big Jimmy on him? Do you have quickly screen for him? And then, then you either have, you know, whether it's Vincent or Lowry or whoever is guarding quickly, you have them having to help on Randall. Um, or, um, or, you know, Jimmy has to get over, Jimmy is excellent at getting over. So he's been pretty good at it. So I, um, I actually, I disagree. I think, I think the guard guard screens can work. I mean, they worked against Miami when we played them in the regular season. When we put, when we set guard guard screens, guard wing screens. Like you got like, like, like hero is out there and stuff, right? So yeah, but even even when hero wasn't out there, like they had success running those, like running that stuff and getting met, matchups they wanted. They had success yesterday when they actually did it. Like they they had screens with. Well, I mean, that's how they got. There was a few plays where, you know, Hart got into the middle of the paint on a roll, or RJ did. Like they have to. You can't just do it a few times and then be done with it. Like they have to actually commit to it more. Um, and I, it was, yesterday was weird. Like it honestly felt like they didn't know who they wanted to have screen primarily a lot of the time. So I don't know if maybe something's got 
lost in translation between the coaching staff and the players. I'm not exactly sure what happened. And the other thing, we, we didn't even talk about this, but the worst part of the game yesterday that made absolutely no sense. Butler gets hurt. He's on the floor. The Knicks went, like, I think, I forgot who, I think it might have been Ryan, Ryan Rosillo. Uh, I think he tweeted out that he tracked it and that the Knicks had gone, like, 12 possessions without putting Butler in the action. And he couldn't move. So that's, like, a total failure on the part of players and on the part of coaches. And the one time they had Butler on the ball, on RJ, what did he do? He oh, called for a screen, and then Lowry switched on to him, which, like, I don't, I can't even understand that. So that was just really, really bad from them. Terrible game planning, terrible adjusting. Um, like they, again, you can't waste advantages. You can't do that against this team. When you've got a hobbled Butler on the floor, you got to take advantage of it. And I'll, I will say, I don't know if Butler's. I could see Butler not playing game two. Like they, they did what they needed to do in New York, right? They got the, they got the game. They got game one. You get a split. That's job done in a lot of ways. Well, you're going um, back to MSG South. So how big yeah. of a home court advantage will it be is yeah well i don't think that's i'm not joking really but it could i mean people have said it's probably likely to be close to 50 50 so maybe i I have no idea but i I think that they've done what you would want them to do um and yeah like i just i i i i would guess that i i feel like butler's injury was pretty bad i know he finished the game um but his interview after the game kind of felt like he was downplaying it a little bit. I don't know. I I, I would not be surprised if he misses the next game. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, the, the Tau of Jimmy. It looked like a really serious yeah. injury. The Tau of Jimmy might grow, though, if he plays and he balls out. So there's always that to, to think about. But, um, yeah, I, I look, this was just errors. There were a lot of errors that the Knicks can fix. Uh, they have to trust their personnel. I I. I get that these guys have struggled quickly, Grimes, whatever. Like, I get that. You've got to trust them. And if anything, I think Tibbs almost needs to, like, I think the best thing he could do is force quickly to be on the ball to start next game. Not to start the next game. He's not going to start, and I'm fine with that. But when he comes in, I think running like a pick and roll for him, calling a set out for him, just like forcing him to to be proactive could go a long way. Um, I actually thought his attacks on closeout yesterday were good, but yeah, I mean, he's he looks like he's... I've seen like deer in the headlights. That's not really what I think is going on. I feel like his role has changed, and now he's recalibrating stuff, and part of that is him figuring out what to do. And like, I get that he's played this role before, but to go from what he was doing at the end of the season to now doing this... That is a pretty big shift, you know, just in terms of what his responsibilities and on ball and all that stuff is. So I would like to see a little bit more of him. I would love to see more of Grimes, just in general. He has to play more. Um, I don't think the Knicks can win this series if he doesn't play more. And um, yeah, I mean, look, there's plenty of things to be worried about with Randall and to like about Obi and all this stuff. But I think we saw in this game, like, you need. Both. You need options. Options are like really what opens everything up for the Knicks. So, yeah. And ultimately, like, Tibbs just has to be better, too. Like, it's great. We can sit here and talk about options and versatility and lineups, but if he doesn't actually lean on that stuff, then what the fuck is the point? 
you know, and he didn't lean on it at all yesterday. Like that game in the third quarter, that was crying out for an early substitution, right? Like, hey, this isn't working. We have options. Let's try something new. He didn't make any adjustment. And this, I, I think the box score yesterday was really, really just unhealthy. Okay, you just look at the shot distribution here. Brunson, 23 field goal attempts. Barrett, 20. Obi Toppin, 15. And then other than that, Hart is the next guy. He has 12. He played 43 minutes. Quickly, 9. Hartenstein, 1. Grimes, 3. Mitch, 3. Like, I get that Brunson and RJ are going to do the lion's share here. But, like, you need to empower other guys more. Like, I'm sorry, you can't convince me that quickly had nine points, one assist, and that's just all because he wasn't aggressive enough. You know, like, aside, here's, here, you want to know something crazy? The Knicks had 20 assists yesterday as a team. They had six, six, aside from Brunson and Barrett. That speaks to how ball-dominant those guys were in this game and how ball-dominant they were tasked with being. I don't think that was just an independent choice on their part. Do I think they could have made better decisions? Yes, especially Brunson. I think Brunson, you're the point guard. You have the latitude when you're on the floor to call sets to get other guys the ball, to get them going. He didn't do that. Um, he didn't. He especially didn't do that with RJ. But I think the lack of attempts for other guys, the lack of assists for other guys, is very, very indicative of how little other guys were empowered or enabled to create to do things with the ball. And you compare that with, you know, say whatever you want about Gabe Vincent, who's a fucking dirty twat. Um, like, the guy, like, Spolster has the confidence in him to let him put up shots. He, had, he was like two of seven, right, in like the first five minutes of the game or whatever the fuck it was. It was crazy. But he, they were shots that Spolstra clearly is okay with him taking, and he didn't punish him or pull him or cut his minutes because he didn't he wasn't shooting well to start the game like you've got to let these guys have the confidence to play through this stuff and it not be like oh my god quickly missed two shots let's get brunson back in the game and run everything through brunson like no like let these guys miss shots let them fuck up and let them do some shit like you need them to get going to win this series you're not going to win this like brunson isn't michael jordan dude you're not going to just like cut everybody else's usage and, and shot attempts and feed it all to Brunson and win a, win a playoff series against Miami. Like, you're just not. So you need to get these guys going. And that's partly on them. Like, they got to make shots too. But it's on Tibbs too. Like, you, you've got to put the ball in their hands. And, and honestly, you've got to make it clear to Brunson and like, hey, look, dude, like, you're going to have the ball a lot, but you need to make sure the guys are getting involved here. Like, he didn't do a good job getting other guys involved. I know he had seven assists. I don't. I, I would be. I would honestly challenge him. Yeah, everybody. he had twenty three shots and five turnovers. So yeah. it's not like he just had the ball a lot. Yeah, and it's like to me, I, I, if you watch that game, I would challenge anybody to have watched that game that's a Knicks fan and be like, "Oh yeah, Brunson played really well yesterday." No, he didn't. He, he that was one of his worst games in a while. That was. I I, I thought actually. I, I think I said this to you, but yesterday that was like as bad from the players and coaches, specifically Brunson and the coaching staff, as game two was against Cleveland. So, and and we only lost by seven. I, I, I think the Knicks can still win this series. I expect them to still win this series. But it starts with Tibbs and it starts with Brunson. Those two guys have to be better. They've got to make pretty key adjustments. And they've got to get other guys in the team going. Yeah, so on some of the quickly stuff, I don't necessarily think 
Tibbs has just relegated him to being Reggie Bullock. Um, I think he has empowered him not enough, not as much as the regular season. He's had chances. I do think that how he's used needs a little bit of work. Um, I think what we've seen in now two series, like when quickly, quickly is at his best when he can either pull up or um, or really threaten the rim. The floater game and all of that has been, you know, he's improved at that shot, but a big part of it has been he can threaten the rim. Um, and so there's been a couple of things. One, both of these teams have agile help defenders. So I don't think putting quickly in a pick and roll with Bam as a help defender is doing him many favors. You can run that five times in a row. It's just it's not great for him because Bam can take away the pull up by playing at the level of drop. We've seen quickly finish on him. I do think quickly needs to be more aggressive there. He needs to realize it's not Jared Allen and Mobley. It's it's a guy who is a very good rim protector, but you have figured out ways to beat him in the past in a way that, that would have been much more difficult against a team like Cleveland. Um, so I think it's how you use him. If he if he's on there with Obi Toppin again, I think that's a like he he's willing to make that early pass to Obi, whether it's in the short roll. But to get Obi in a little bit of space where Obi can make a decision, where Obi can kind of create another pass, those hockey assists quickly gets the ball moving, and that gets everyone else involved. Um, so I think it's – I do agree that they should probably be using him more in pick and rolls, but I think they need to be selective about – I think in general they should not really be attacking Bam and pick and roll unless it's Randall, um, and you, you're confident you can get a switch. Um the number two thing is, I think in the playoffs, what's interesting is we've, I don't think it's been a coincidence that quickly is, besides game three in, in the Cleveland series, he's looked better in second halves than he has in the first half. Oh, sorry. There's game three, game five, he came out. Just, I, it looked like game five. Quickly, Tibbs just told him, like, go out there and shoot, shoot, shoot. Like, quickly was, that's as trigger happy as I've ever seen him since probably he was in Kentucky. Um, that Cleveland game, game five? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, this is the thing. Like, if he's going to be off ball, then he needs to just be told, like, fucking long. And this is, so this is where I just don't, like, talking about, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but, like, he got nine shots yesterday. I would challenge 100%. anybody. Yeah. Uh, I would challenge anybody to go watch the game again yesterday. Point out to me one instance of him passing up on a shot. Like, this was not a hesitant... We've seen him do, like, the pump fake, pass up, like... Well, I know. think it's more... there. Like, there were a couple where he had lanes, and, like, he beat his guy, and then he'd either pick up his dribble or, like, you know, just continue to probe, which I think is part of just a natural growth of a young player. Yeah, like, but um, that's that's kind of my thing, is, like, you... Like, that's, like, we're talking about, like, two or three possessions in a game where he's doing this stuff, and it's, like, okay, well... Like for like one of the things, and this is actually two credit. This is a credit to Tibbs. One of the things he does deserve a ton of credit for is games one and two. I I didn't like how RJ Barrett played against Cleveland, and I was like, I don't know. Like you know, you dial back his usage, take take some of his touches away, give them to somebody else. But part of the reason why I think RJ got going is because Tibbs fucking kept feeding him. He was like like he he played the long game right. Like he played the long game with him. I think he's got to play the long game with quickly a little bit. I think he's got to play the long game with Grimes a little bit. Like, dude, I don't care if Grimes is one for fucking 18 from three. I believe that guy. We know that guy's a shooter. We know that. I'd like, rather go 0 for 38 than 0 for 9 because that's exactly. going to stop shooting. Yeah, Deion Waiters knows. But, like, no, for real. Like, there is something to be said for that sh- that kind of stuff. And he, he's got to trust 
He's got to get these guys going. He needs to. And the like we can sit like it's awesome they beat Cleveland. I'm so happy they beat Cleveland. I'm happy they won a first round series. I personally like part of the reason why I'm not apoplectic that they lost this game is fundamentally like, yeah, I think we should beat Miami. If we lose to Miami, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend the season hasn't been wildly successful. Like nothing that could happen at this point will take away from the fact that I am happy with the season. But and, it would bring back for me questions about Tibbs. Yeah, it, sure. It, sure. And that's all there. But my point being is, like, that's probably a reason why I'm not so unhappy about... I mean, I'm, trust me, I'm not happy that they lost yesterday. But I, I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, this is all kind of gravy to me. Um, but so, so kind of going back to quickly a little bit, I will say he is a guy, I think, that, you know, when he's... He likes to probe and figure things out, and he's like seeing what the defense is showing him. And then when he when that really clicks, I think that Tibbs did a really good job in Game Three. Also, like he started him off off ball, but he got him involved with screens. He got him up involved. He got touches and quickly got the ball in advantage situations with easier reads. And then when he got the ball in the second half, it was running pick and roll. That's the most confident I've seen him look all playoff. Um, but I think he, he takes him a couple of possessions to figure out what the defense is doing. And then to adapt, right? We saw that in game one. He looked better in the second half than he did in the first half. Um, I saw a little bit in game two where, like, Garland really was causing problems for him in the first half. You know, Cleveland called up the dogs, but he definitely looked more comfortable once he could kind of get his feet under him. The problem is in the playoffs, you know, it, that's that's what you're saying with Vincent. Like, how much leash do you give? Do you, like, if quickly is only getting one or two on-ball possessions a game, he doesn't have that lead time to... Um, to, to really get into that rhythm where he can start to anticipate what the defense is doing. Uh, but at the same time, you know, how many of those do you give him if he's really struggling, you know, but when so, the margins but, but are this... so tight? So I, I think that there's a better balance to be struck. And I do agree it's more on the side that you're coming from. The last thing I'll add, I'll let you finish there. Last thing I'll add is I don't think it's a coincidence that like the off ball guy, like Vincent and Strews, it's not that they're more experienced necessarily than Grimes or quickly, but there is a difference from catching the ball off of multiple passes or after relocation, or where you've been touching the ball a lot, versus sitting in the corner as Quentin Grimes for all day, you, you catch the ball three times, and then you know, you're know you not really warm or in the flow of anything, and you just have to shoot. I don't think it's a coincidence that our shooters have struggled because of how, like, I, and I, I don't think the Knicks have you need to, to feel the ball. oriented. You need to you, feel the ball. It needs to move more, yeah. Like, it, it's too stagnant right now, and it, it's it's part of... And they don't. They don't need to be the Warriors. I, I doubt no, that they I, did a good job of they, they were this really ISO good, ball in the yeah, regular they, season, but still moving it around, right? Yeah, they they were a really good offense in the regular season. Why you don't need to reinvent the wheel? I'm not like it's the playoffs. I get you got to make adjustments. Adjustments don't need to just be give the ball to the guys I trust the most more. Like it can be more than that. It sh- it needs to be more than that. And the reason why, like, it, it's not if it's if it was just quickly struggling, it'd be one thing, right? None of these guys are shooting well. None of them. Like, even RJ's, his improvement has come with his decision-making off the drive, right? Whether he it be... A couple, sh- games four and five he shot well, didn't he? Not game four. Game four, I think he was maybe Three for six, I think. Was that? Whatever it was. Either way, it's not like he's been shooting the fucking shit out of the ball here. Um, I, I'm not even... This is not... You know, it, it's kind of like not even relevant to this, but I mean, what, I mean, I just pull up the numbers right now, actually. Um, but like, Grimes isn't shooting well. Brunton's not shooting well. Quickly's not shooting well. I don't think RJ is shooting well. 
Uh, all right, here we go. Josh Hart now. <laughs> Remember how he was like 45% for three or something? Yeah. Okay, so these are the numbers for the team. Miles McBride hasn't missed three. Took one. Uh, okay, the actual numbers. Goat. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, these are the numbers here. Obi Toppin, 10 of 28, 35.7% from three. Josh Hart, 5 of 15, 33.3%. Quickly, 7 of 25, 28%. R.J. Barrett, 7 of 29, 24%. Jalen Brunson, 9 of 38, 23%, 23.7%. Julius Randle, 8 of 34, 23.5%. Quentin Grimes, 2 for 12, 16.7%. None of these guys are shooting well. Literally all of them, aside from Obi, are shooting below their, way below their regular and, and, season averages. And I do think part of that is how much we're leaning on specific players to create. And I actually, like, again, something I've really thought about you know, over these last like three or four games is I think even Randall's gotten less kind of creation touches. And maybe some of that is his injury. Maybe some of that is he did struggle with a lot of his decision-making at times and just effort and stuff like that. He also was going against Cleveland's best. Right, right. He's going against Mobley. Like, so, but like, I just think the, the shift has been pretty drastic and that's impacting a lot of stuff. Like, even if you have to make big changes, which can be the case in the playoffs, and like I said, I was fine with the decision Tibbs made against Cleveland because I I did think the value in that series was simply like if we don't turn the ball over, we will win the possession battle and we will win the series. And that I was even, the- I didn't even think starting Hart and RJ was the worst thing today because it had it, I think we tweeted out that it was a plus twelve in the Cleveland series. Um, and, and, and like, I get it, but then there was clearly a time to adapt, but like, yeah, I, I, even that decision wasn't like, I get it. And I got why he went to it, you know, today, but, um, but yeah, like you have to, it's a new series now and I think he'll get there. Um, but I think that, yeah, like quickly and those young guys, you have to let them, you have to let them find their, and that's tough, man. And I don't want to kill tips for that because he is, he, he probably goes overboard on this, but the truth is. Look at Rick Carlisle. Look at any of these guys. I mean, Greg Popovich had the best point guard in his franchise's history. I mean, they had a they had a very <laughs> uh, interesting relationship early in Tony Parker's career, right? Um, mm-hmm. But he has to be willing to trust some of the other guys. They're leaning too much into it. But uh, the, I think the good news is he's shown the adaptability. Um, you know, we and we don't have to start doing some crazy stuff. Randall himself just coming back is going to help a lot. Um, I don't think we'll see 43 minutes of Josh Hart again. Um, and, um, but I am, I think I am curious to see Kenny incorporate quickly a little bit more, um, because his value isn't being Seth Curry, right? Um, his value, by the way, also isn't being like, you know, Anthony Simons or something. He's at his best in those lineups. And this is another thing I wanted to add. You look at some of the best games the Knicks have had, right? A lot of those lineups are the more against the Heat, especially. Um, remember that comeback last year, right? We quickly had 20 in the fourth. But he, it wasn't just him. It was Deuce. Deuce McBride was a huge part of that. But in, So it was locking up on defense. I think Sims was on the floor for that too. And yeah, that, Sims, Sims, is, Sims being out for the playoffs is a huge loss. No, but I'm saying <laughs> the point is it was, a, it was a ball hawking group on defense, which we played good defense yesterday. They're getting out in transition. And um, and you had a you had a nice mix of IQ getting downhill and then the ball moving and RJ getting to the rim had a nice complement of these things, but the ball was moving and that's so quickly as, is, is he, you know, that this is kind of, he is kind of this amorphous person. He can play a lot of different roles, 
but where he's at his best is he can get a pick and roll. He can take advantage of that small advantage, pass it to a guy like Obi. Obi forces another defender. They, the ball starts moving, finds its way back to quickly maybe. He makes the last closeout and either finishes a shot or, or sets someone up for a three. Those are, the, like, those are the ways, A, that's how you beat this Miami team because if you try to go one-on-one with them, and even like they're also willing to live with those shots, even from shooters, because if you're in a standstill against the closeout, it's still like it's not the same as catching it in rhythm or with like a huge, you know, with, with somebody way late on a closeout. So even against guys like Grimes and quickly, if we want to get them going, we just need the ball flowing a lot more. And um, and I think if we do that and there's ways to make that happen, I think it involves, to your point, involving IQ on ball more it involves involving RJ Barrett um, more so than he was involved. Uh, but also in the right situations, right? I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of RJ's struggles in the second half came from more stagnant setups. I think he's great coming off side pick and rolls. I would like to see him more in that pistol action. I think Brunson keeps the ball too much on those. Quickly, he's more willing to give RJ the ball in that pistol action, and that's that's he awesome. call he calls for it. Like th- this, this is kind of what I mean. Where it's like quickly might not even he's not playing aggressively, right? Even in the minutes where. Brunson is off and he's nominally the point guard. But when he's like, when RJ is going, he'll just do the very, very basic thing, which you get no box score credit for, right? Of just like calling the pistol or whatever for RJ, right? It's like, okay, RJ's cooking. Let's get RJ the ball and let me get the fuck out of the way. Like, that's what. Or even let me, let me help him get going. Because the thing is, it's also not just giving RJ the ball at the top of the key. When they've done that, it's still it's still not as forte because he has still he needs to work on his shot creation or you know his shot diversity, right? Um, but uh, his bag, I guess, is the is the, the normal way to put it. But yeah, you get him the ball going downhill, he can make the right reads, and then yeah, he's probably he's probably had way more hockey assists or potential assists this series too. Um, whereas during the season, his pass out rate out of drives is really low. Um, so you need to get those. But I also think like yeah, I think that. The way they used Obi Toppin yesterday left a lot to me to be desired, even though he had a good shooting game. Um, I think it's a guy who can attack and get into the teeth of this defense and a guy who can pass and make quick decisions, which is extremely important and something that the Knicks don't have a ton of guys who are great at that skill set. Well, uh, well, just, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like we're talking about the same shit over and over again here. So I'll wrap up with a very brief thought on that. First possession of the second half, they get the ball to Obi on the wing. He absolutely fucking roasted Kevin Love. Like crossed him up. I was I was like I was I was that Shaq meme. Like <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't familiar with your game. But like when you see that how do you never go back to that at all? Because you know if that was Randall, they'd be going back to that. And I'm, I'm obviously like there's a level of respect you need to earn to kind of be like, "Oh, well he roasted him. We got to go back to that over and over again." No, but you didn't go back to it once. You know, and well, they, they like to attack weaker defenders with ball screens, right? So they did put love in ball screens a bunch, and I think a lot of right. that was on front. But that's kind of like that's that's my issue though. Is like you can hunt poor defenders in ways that aren't on ball screens and mismatch hunting, and that's probably not something. Well, that I mean, it sounds it. like you're suggesting just pure ISO with Obi, which I, I don't think know if you, that's ideal either. But. I think you could do that on Kevin. Love. I mean, let me see it. Let's let me see it. I want to see Kevin Love defend in space. I would like to see it, like, because we got one possession of it yesterday, and he roasted them. I'm now the sh- the Paul Pierce meme. <laughs> uh, I got a taste. 
<laughs> I, I want the whole load. Oh, I thought I thought you were talking about the wheelchair. I mean, I was like, Love got roasted that bad. So, is, uh, that, no. is that or is that Love's reaction next time he sees? I don't, what was it? Uh, what was he, it no, he's gonna be like, he, the he's like, oh, I'm with the Vipers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, look, I the Knicks have a lot of things they can improve on, and I think that's both an annoying thing, but it's also a good thing. Uh, they only went 12 to 20 from the line yesterday. That's been an issue all playoffs. Like at some point, you've got to think they'll have a good three point shooting game and a good free throw shooting game. Um, and then you compare that way, Miami yesterday. I mean, what the, the, honestly, the last thing we should say, I'm not blaming the refs for why the Knicks lost, but the, the officiating yesterday was just not consistent. Um, I thought, especially in the second half, it was very poor. Tony you Brothers. Have to expect that when you're facing Jimmy Butler. Tony Brothers high. needs to get fucking punched in the face. I hate that guy. Um, that foul he called on Lowry was a joke. Like, what, like Grimes is just. What is he supposed to do? He, like, he, if he can't play, if you're not allowed to play defense, then what the fuck is the point? Um, that was a joke, and I did. I did think it was kind of ironic that Butler got hurt on a play where I think he committed a pretty obvious offensive foul. Yeah, there's heat fans trying to say it was a flop. Like, let's just put Butler isn't this good because he is like he is this good because he is a bull at a china shop. And yeah, yeah, and 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 that's a strong like, guy. But I don't think that was a flop at all. Yeah, I mean, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, and it wasn't even an offensive foul. But like, don't tell me Hart was flopping on that play, dude. Like, come on, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, that's just that's ridiculous. Um, all right. I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, Stacy, let the people know where they can find you and plug anything that you'd like to plug. Um, you can find me at StacyPatton89. Um, I recently dropped a pod with Matt Miranda on Non-Believe Knicks um, with a gentleman named Julio who is a big Heat fan. So you got a, you got a taste of the Knicks, but if you want the whole load uh, of the, a preview for the, the series, uh, check that out. And then I also want to shout out Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Kelly Ringo, and the Philadelphia Eagle Dogs. Um, you know, after I watched Michigan get the shit kicked out of them, I guess if, we, if Michigan couldn't beat them, the other stuff was for them to join the Eagles. So pretty. Uh, that was the nice part of the weekend. Um, yes, that was a good part of the weekend for you. I was fine with the Bills draft. I don't like to pretend that I actually know anything about the NFL draft. So I just assume everything the Bills did was excellent and I'm sure that they'll definitely win the Super Bowl given their long track record of success doing so. Um, all right. That is our pod for today. Well, they've done it once. Yeah, right. Uh, once more our... than... Um... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Cut off this. Once is more than zero. Uh, all right. That is our pod for today. I hope uh, everybody has a great week, and uh, I will see you probably after the game uh, tomorrow night over on the Rundown. So, uh, yeah, go next. Our house is a mess. Come 
on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.